With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here are your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Nina Pantic, one of the co-hosts alongside Irina Falcone. Our guest in this episode is Steve Weissman, a sportscaster for Tennis Channel and the NFL Network. He's interviewed pretty much any tennis player you can think of, including Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic, and Naomi Osaka. And he's worked alongside some of the biggest analysts in the sport, including Mary Carrillo, Lindsay Davenport, Chanda Rubin, Paul Anacone, you name him, he's worked with them. He tells us his career path from humble beginnings in Alpena, Michigan, to where he is today. And he also shares some of his best experiences, moments where he's felt starstruck. And he gives us some advice for anyone trying to get into broadcasting. Hope you enjoy the episode. Here's Steve Weissman. Well, Steve Weissman, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Happy to be here. A few months in the making, but <laughs> glad it all worked out. I mean, honestly, thrilled. We, we see you on TV all the time. We see you all over social media. So it's nice to meet you in person and hear about your story for a change. Thanks. I feel like a lot of times we're interviewing players and we're not ever, no one ever hears our story. So that's what this podcast is going to try and do. Okay. Um, my first question is, when did you know you wanted to do broadcasting or sports casting and how did you get that ball rolling? Uh, I would say third grade. So I was like eight and um, I had a project in elementary school called uh, Thinking Opportunities for Kids. And I went to like a separate school. They would bus us to a separate school and we had a career uh, project. I picked sports casting, and there was this guy, Glenn Brenner, who uh, was the broadcaster for the CBS affiliate in Washington, D.C. I watched him every night, and he was witty, and he was creative and different, and I loved him. And um, somehow I got to interview him for this project when I was eight, and I still have his headshot with the autograph on it and everything. Uh, sadly, he passed away, but um, but he was the first person that really um, I wanted to emulate and, and really inspired me. And, uh, then I just, I played sports. Like I played uh, basketball and uh, tennis and a lot of stuff growing up. And, but I always knew I wanted to be a sportscaster. If I wasn't going to be a professional athlete, I wanted to hang out with them. So, um, went to Northwestern for college, uh, journalism school, and then kind of, you know, started in the middle of nowhere, making no money and, uh, you know, kind of Drake started at the bottom. Now we're here deal. <laughs> so uh, Alpena, Michigan was my first job. And literally, you've never heard of it. Um, it's the eastern, northeastern portion of Michigan on Lake Huron, third smallest TV market in the country. It's a market 208. There's 210 TV markets in the country it goes like North Platte, Nebraska, Glendive, Montana, Alpena, Michigan. And so my yearly salary was $14,000 a year. So my two week paycheck after taxes was less than $400. 
and my first story was ice fishing and I covered snowmobile racing and it was all like high school sports and it was freezing, but, and I was a one man band. I shot all my own stuff. I edited everything. I ran my own teleprompter. Literally you do everything yourself, um, and make no money, but it was great. It was an awesome experience, um, because I love doing what I do. And so took that, got a job in, uh, Madison, Wisconsin at, the local NBC affiliate got to like cover the Packers and Wisconsin basketball and football. Um, then took a job in Saginaw, Michigan at the local CBS affiliate. Um, right when I got there, the Pistons were on their way to winning uh, the NBA finals. So I like covered that it was down at Auburn Hills and with the team, um, the Super Bowl was in Detroit while I was there. Michigan state went to the final four while I was there. So I got to cover all those things. Tiger Woods was still playing the Buick open because he was sponsored by Buick at the time. That was in Grand Blank, Michigan, which was super close to Saginaw, so I would cover that every year. So just a lot of good sports things going on. Um, and then from there, I went to uh, Philly for Comcast Sportsnet, was there for three and a half years, and then went to ESPN, was there for five years, did Sports Center and Outside the Lines and College Football Live and NFL Live and tennis, uh, the majors, and uh, then... Tennis Channel and NFL Network, and here we are on, on the on the podcast. <laughs> everyone, everyone always says they want to work at ESPN, or and tennis players always say Tennis Channel, and you're kind of doing, you've done it all. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm very grateful and thankful and blessed and, and all those things, so I, I don't take it for granted, and I know uh, it's a very competitive industry, and, and you know, you have to have some talent, and you have to have some luck, and, and uh, know the right people and, and such, but... It's it's been a great ride, and I've met amazing people along the way. And and uh, every every time I'm kind of in one of these places, whether it was like on the Sports Center set or like at Wimbledon Center Court, um, calling a match there, I t I try to take you know ten to twenty seconds and just kind of like look around and like soak it in, be like, wow, this is amazing, thank you so much, and uh, and it's cool. Do you feel ever the pressure of trying to do, because I mean, I definitely do, the pressure of trying to do more and, you know, you're already on ESPN, you're on Tennis Channel, you're all over NFL, but like, are you, you know, you see other people, you say it's competitive. I kind of feel like there's always that feeling like, oh, I should be doing more, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. Do you feel that way or do you feel things are going the way you want them to? Both. I mean, things are going the way that I want them to, but yes, I always feel like I should be doing more. Like, I'm literally, today is day 20. Three or 24 of 42 days in a row of work. So it's like, it's hard for me to turn down work, <laughs> but also because I truly love what I do. So, you know, if somebody asked me to host Tennis Channel Live or do something at NFL Network or, you know, host Tennis Talk at Indian Wells or whatever, like it, it's fun, right? So what else could I be doing with that time? Um, I don't know. I could be learning more. I could be, I, I took like improv classes in LA with groundlings. I could be taking acting classes. I could be studying economics. I don't know, but like, I truly love what I do. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely want to do more. I, there's more to be done. Um, but I'm very grateful for everything that's currently happening. Was there ever a moment, uh, I know you spoke about, uh, always wanting to be a sportscaster from third grade. I mean, to find your passion at that young, that's something that not a lot of people find. Have you felt like there was a moment, a pivotal moment where you're like, I've made it? Uh, there's a ton of those moments. Um, 
honestly, like being on the the floor of Auburn Hills with the Pistons when they won the NBA Finals and all the confetti's coming down and and you're you're there. Um, that that was like one moment that was really cool. Um, at ESPN, there were so many. I mean, getting to host SportsCenter with Stuart Scott was just such a thrill. I mean, he was one of my favorite sportscasters growing up. And so, you know, being on that set, I was crazy nervous. And then he gave me like a, a fist pound, like right before we went on, lights came on and uh, it just kind of relaxed me. And he like jumped in my highlights and it was like, you know, it's, then you just like go off and, and you're on a roll. Um, so I'm so thankful that I, that I had that opportunity hosting Sports Center with Linda Cohn, Kenny Mayne, like just all these people that I grew up watching. Those are all moments that, you know, I'll never forget. My first assignment for Tennis Channel was at Indian Wells four years ago, and I was calling Marty Fish's comeback, um, against Ryan Harrison. And I knew Marty at the time, and I still do, but I mean, so I was comfortable with that. Um, I think I was with Jim Courier, maybe Lindsay Davenport as well, but Mary Carrillo was in the room, and obviously I admire Mary so much, and I had written this intro for the match, um, just because, you know, Marty's uh, is special and, and close to me, and so I say my thing on air, it's like my first thing that I've ever said on Tennis Channel, and Mary comes over, I've got the headset on, kisses me on my head, and like, like, and I was like, wow, like, you know, like, like I was, she accepted, you know, like I was accepted, approved. Um, and I'll never forget that. I was actually telling Martina Navratilova today about the first time I met her and she doesn't remember, obviously, but like we were, um, it was when I was at ESPN and I was covering the U.S. Open, I think for the first time. And we were in the the bar of the Waldorf Astoria at like 1 a.m. So it was the only thing that was open. And she was sitting at a table in the front with Hannah Storm and Chrissy Everett. And I was, I was, it was, I had just come back from like a late night match and I was looking for anybody that I knew and I knew Hannah. And so I was like making a beeline for Hannah to like give her a hug and she got up and then Martina kind of like cut us off and like stuck her hand out and was like, hi, I'm Martina. I was like, Oh, yes. Oh my God. Like, I know exactly you, Martina Navratilova. Like, holy crap. And, um, and then, and then Chrissy's like, Steve, Steve who? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm sitting at a bar at 1 a.m. with two of the greatest tennis players in history. And I mean, Hannah Storm, who's a legend in her own right. And I'll, you know, these are just moments that I kind of, um, pinch myself and I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky to be able to be in these positions and not only call these people colleagues, but friends and, uh, you know, just hanging out in the green room with them is fun and, and it, it's super cool. That's what makes it so interesting is that you managed to carve your own space out with people like Navratilova and Everett out there who've won, I mean, they've won Grand Slams, like tens upon tens of Grand Slams and then they kind of get I don't know, more of an elite fast track, I think. And then you have to carve your own separate way in there and compliment them. And you do that because you're more of the broadcast, the spotcaster, the voice, the professional, right? So how does that synergy work on Tennis Channel when you have former Grand Slam champions and then the sportscasters? Right. So, I mean, there's there's a play-by-play host and then there's the analyst. And, you know, we have, in my opinion, the best analysts in tennis broadcasting. We have so many Hall of Famers from Martina to Lindsay, to Tracy, to Jim. I mean, for that matter, Mary is a sports broadcasting hall of famer. And, um, so to get to work with that level of tennis knowledge for me is just like a sick 
you know, it's like a dream come true. It's so awesome. And my job is to make them look good. I truly believe that. So whatever I can do to put them in the best position to succeed and give their best assessment of what's going on in the court is a success for me. Um, you know, I shouldn't overly analyze anything because at the end of the day, nobody cares what I think. I've, you know, like I played number one singles in high school at Springbrook and you're like, what is that? Yeah, exactly. What is that? It doesn't matter. So <laughs> they want to know what Lindsay has to say. They want to know what Jim has to say. So if I can put them and ask them a question that uh, gives them the best chance to have the viewer understand better, then, then that's what I'm supposed to do. It's almost like a layup. It should be, but it's harder than you think. I mean, because a lot of people like to talk a lot, and I'm, you know, I try not to. That is tough. I've, I've, never, I've noticed how it all complements each other, but I think not all the viewers understand everyone's different kind of roles in Tennis Channel, because there's so much talent, right? Um, what, what advice do you have for people that are trying to get into broadcasting, even if it's particularly in tennis or not, just in general, because I know you've helped Irina when you guys did the ESPN U stuff. You've helped I tried me. To. <laughs> you've helped me on Daily Mix. No, it, trust me. He tried to help me, and I just, I, I think I was more just starstruck. That was no. actually going to be my next question, is if you'd ever been starstruck, and then you talked about Martina and Chrissy. I was like, oh, beautiful. But, um, yeah, no, I, he, he, he definitely tried to help me. <laughs> If I, if I didn't help you, then it's my fault, and 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 I messed up. But um, no, he's trying to please. help me. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please give us your wisdom. But no, Steve. I mean, I think I think it's experience. Like you just have to do it. Like the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And whether that's an internship, whether that's, um, you know, uh, just practicing on your own. I think there's so many more opportunities available now than there were when I was coming up. I mean, every team has their own digital reporter now. There's so many different websites that you can report for and get that national experience where, like, I started in Alpena, Michigan. So you can still go that route and go to through local news and kind of work your way up. I always knew I wanted to do TV, um, and that was kind of the path for me. But everybody has their own path. I mean, there's people right now that were PAs and interns for me at ESPN that ran teleprompter for me that are now like megastar, like Jamie Erdahl, who works for CBS Sports, Molly McGrath, um, who works for ESPN. Like they both were PAs or interns at ESPN and very talented and then kind of took other jobs and then got to the national level. Um, so whatever you can do to get experience, you know, every summer during college, I took internships like non-paid internships and just tried to, to get better because it's not necessarily, I don't want to say don't try in school because you should always try anything you do, but your grades are not what matters. It's your reel. It's your, mm -hmm. your, um, exactly. your tape. So that's what somebody's looking at. They're not looking at your GPA. Yeah, with, with 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 I did print right, which is ridiculous looking back. And I was all old school. I wanted newspapers and magazines and everything that mattered was byline. And I chose Missouri because they gave you real bylines, not that BS. Oh, it's a fake byline, and you get in an essay. It's like no, no, you actually publish this. It's in print. It's on a magazine. So I, I totally get that. Is it weird ever, or maybe early on? I'm sure it's not weird now. When people would comment on your appearance, or you have to wear wear, wear certain things and wear makeup, and was that ever weird? Because I. Yeah, that, that's still weird. Uh, wearing makeup, I, like the best part of my day at NFL Network, they have this great um, towel warmer, basically. And so, like at the end of the day, you take these like warm, wet towels, kind of like they give you like at a nice restaurant. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and to and you take off the makeup and it feels amazing. But <laughs> so yeah, so it's weird to wear makeup. Um, in terms of people commenting on your appearance, I think you know everybody has their own opinion. Uh, you have to have thick skin, and you get thick skin from the start because 99 out of 100 people basically are going to tell you no for a job, right? So like it took me maybe 35 tapes that I sent out to get my first job, and then. After that, it's like you're going to hear no way more than yes uh, because it's subjective. It's not math. It's, you know, it's not science where there's an equation that can get you to the top. It's basically, all right, if they're looking for, they can say you don't have the right look. They can say you don't sound the way I want that, you know, what I'm looking for. And they can just be like, you're not my vibe, you know. So it, it's so subjective that obviously it affects you because we're human. And if it didn't, that would be odd. But you just kind of have to have a thicker skin. I was going to say, um, you pretty much talk to all these professionals that you hang out with and you interview and you talk to them. And one of the most common questions that you ask is what's your goal? Um, so my question to you is, are there any goals that you've set for yourself? Like as a sportscaster, I mean, we've never done an interview and it's just so interesting just to hear, uh, different perspectives. I mean, we've had coaches, players, we've had hitting partners. I think we've had trainers as well. So it's just pretty amazing for, from my end to see all different perspectives of the world of tennis. Like there's so many other facets that we haven't even like gone to. So what are your goals? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think I need to reevaluate them at times because, you know, when it comes to sports broadcasting, I've achieved a lot of the things I set out to achieve. I constantly want to get better at my craft. I, in no way do I think I've, you know, peaked or plateaued because, you know, if there's one thing I've learned from a lot of people, like from Paul Anacone, I mean, it's about the process and it's about constantly working hard to just improve every day. So I think everybody from the number one tennis player in the world to whoever you think subjectively is the best broadcaster can get better. So, um, so I try to constantly get better, uh, no matter what I'm doing. Writing is something that I have a huge passion for. And so that's something that's fun at NFL Network where I get to write scripts and read off a teleprompter and stuff like that. So every time there's a new story, it's really fun to make that creative and different. Um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of like tangible goals, it's something that I, I need to think about because I truly believe the goals without plans are just dreams. And if I have a goal, I'll achieve it. I like, I have that mindset that if I want something, it will happen. Um, because you make a plan and you make it happen. So if there's, you know, something in the future that I really want, make it happen. Um, what that is, we'll see. I mean, the fact that you've been able to work, you said it's day 23 of 42 days of working. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that sounds just like uh, unheard of for just anyone. Um, how hard is that uh, just like daily life with friends and, you know, family? And it's it's very easy to just say, oh, it's hard for a tennis player. She travels 35 weeks a year. But I mean, it's just as hard for you working 23 straight days is a little tiresome. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those days are also doubles. Like I'm literally at Tennis Channel in the morning, NFL Network at night or vice versa. So, um when I'm at home in LA, I do a lot of yoga, uh, so probably like four times a week, and that kind of centers me and keeps me sane. Um, I also live on the beach, which 
keeps me sane and chills me out and makes me very happy. Uh, I try to play tennis. I go to the gym. So anything like physical activity, you know, I try to maintain that and, and that kind of keeps me, keeps me going. Um, if I was just like sitting at home, then that would stink. But I also like, I'm somebody that wants to be doing things all the time. So, um, I, I enjoy that. It's nice to have a day off here or there, but like, it's fine. Like, as long as I stay healthy, that's really all that matters. So I need to get enough sleep. I need to work out and I need to eat well. And then everything else is cool. Like, I can take care of the work stuff. Um, because it's actually easier when you're working every day than when you're put in one week and then you're off for a week and you kind of like lose the storylines. So if you're there every day, the work part kind of flows. It's just, you know, health is number one in anything in life. Like, if you're not healthy, you're not going to be happy. And you're not going to be successful. So, like, whatever you need to do to keep yourself physically and mentally healthy, like, that's that's number one in life. Is that the biggest challenge, is the, the health and the scheduling? Or are there other challenges with working with such big networks? I feel like working with these big corporations can have all kinds of different things thrown your way. What's, what's the hardest part? No, I mean, like... Honestly, everybody's been super cool about the scheduling of stuff. Um, everyone's great to work with. I mean, for the most part, you know, other than on social media, people are pretty great. Uh, <laughs> so when they don't see you and they don't know who you are uh, and lose empathy, that they uh, they can be bad humans. But um, no, I, I haven't had any problems in terms of of working with the networks. Um, they're they're super cool. And what's the the best part? I feel like the best part is is getting to hang out with players and these legends of the game. <laughs> but is there a best part where you feel like, yeah, this is awesome? I mean, I guess when you're at Wimbledon. Yeah, I mean, like Paris for me, Indian Wells for me. Like, there's certain trips. I mean, all the tennis trips are awesome. Um, yeah, Par- Paris is special. I just I love that city. Um, I love that. After the tennis ends, it stays late for like, or light outside for like three more hours, and you can just kind of wander the streets and eat amazing food and <laughs> just um, enjoy that. But it's also the camaraderie. I, for me, all these places are families, like some more than others, but tennis especially is is a family community. I think in general, and so I've been so grateful to know certain people within the tennis community and that's helped me a lot so mark woodford has been somebody the hall of fame doubles player who without him i don't i don't think i'd be here without a lot of people i wouldn't obviously you can't do anything on your own but before i got to tennis channel i was staying with the woodfords in their house they live in mission hills and and that's why i even got my first tennis channel gig was because i came out to indian wells to stay with them and um and having his support the first time I work with Jim Curry or Lindsay Davenport, they're like, oh, like you're staying at the Woodford's, you must be a, a decent human, right? Like, I don't come out of nowhere. It's like, we know this guy, if he approves of him, then we'll approve of him if he doesn't, you know, suck on day one. So, um, so I think the more that relationships that you build, you know, and then I've, I do the Fed Cup in Hawaii and I've gotten to like stay with Lindsay's family and, and they're just so kind and so generous to me. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to repay it all, but I, no doubt appreciate it, you know, so much. Well, I feel like you do repay it already because you're saying you're, you know, hosting with Mary Carrillo and for you that's just a thrill, but people who host like Irene and I, I work with you, for us it's like kind of similar because we feel like we've been watching you. 
and we look it's up flattering, to you, and we're like, this guy's killing it, and just to share a screen with you is an honor to us. It's the same thing. I think it kind of keeps going, keeps building. Honestly, that's weird to hear, but I, I'm flattered. <laughs> I appreciate it. It means a lot. It really does, um, because I, I don't view myself in that way, but... Um, well, you make us feel, like, at least for me, you make me feel comfortable, and that some people that I've worked with, not saying certain certain people are bad or anything, you just don't feel that same vibe, you don't feel that same energy of comfort, and like you're comfortable, like, you, like, you put people at ease, I'd say. Thank you. I mean, I think at the end of the day, what we do is fun. It's not brain surgery, and and nobody's going to die, right? I don't know. I was close. God forbid. So I don't know. <laughs> but the anxiety of doing it. <laughs> no. But it's just... It was more just of a shock when I was in Arizona with you, and I met you. Um, it was that day, and the fact that you had your own earpiece, I was like, I'm already down 50 points here. Like, oh, my God. So unprepared. And then I think one of the funniest things I asked you, like, I, I asked everyone, I was like, um, is there like a hair and makeup person? Like, that was the legit question. I was just like, is, is, is there a hair and makeup person? And they just kind of smiled. I'm like, mm, no. I was like, hey, it's a question. But I, 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 the first thing I told Nina after I was done, I was like, Steve is amazing, like, at what he does. Like, I just felt... Um, it, you did feel me, like, make me feel at ease, but I just felt so inadequate. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You are so <laughs> no, good. And I'm just over here, like, I remember you were like, whenever you think you're being loud, you're not. Just get louder. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't know if I can do this. No. And, but it must be frustrating as well to work with people that are like us who would just hope for the best. Who know nothing. <laughs> Well, Nina at least knows a little bit. I know absolutely nothing. I remember, like, we did the live take, and I, I think I said amazing three times in one sentence. I was like, who does that? I never speak like this. No, but also, you didn't go to Alpina. You didn't go to Madison. You didn't go to Saginaw. You didn't have all the, your bad moments in the middle of nowhere, right? Like, you were thrust on ESPN from the jump. Like, that's not easy. I was never put in that position where I had to be on national television when I was 22 and just graduated college. So that's really impressive. I mean, you, Nina, like you're on tennis.com, like tennis.com, right? Right. Like, it does not get bigger for tennis than tennis.com. So, you know, doing this for the first time, I, I get it. Like that's not easy. Whereas I've been, you know, doing this since for 19 years or whatever. Yeah, it's all different paths. Cause Irina's going, you know, playing path. I'm going print and website writing. It's just everything is such a big hodgepodge of different personalities and abilities and all kind of shoved on people's screens. But hope for the best. Yeah, but if you can't, like, if you can't lift people up and like help them and and make others successful, then like, what are you, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you need to pay it forward. Um, and and try to help as much as possible like i've never honestly had any mentors per se um there have been great people in my life uh, and my family obviously is amazing and they're like the biggest support but you know if i can help somebody else to you know be successful be better like i think it's that whole giving high right i, I just i truly believe in it like you get excited when you have a present for somebody and you can't wait for them to get it I th and it's more exciting than receiving a present. Yeah. So um, I think that's pretty cool. That's yeah. a love language. Yeah. Just throwing that tidbit out there. I love it. <laughs> I knew this would be the best conversation of my week. <laughs> better it. than the Daily Mix? Way better. Well, the Daily Mix is short. This has been like actually rewarding. I, I will say that the one positive uh, thing that I've taken from Nina's, I guess, like 
your interviews that you probably don't feel as comfortable in. Sometimes you mess up. The bloopers are pretty great. They are. <laughs> so they are. I appreciate I will them say, too. like, I laughed so hard at the Kerber one and, like, the Svitolina one. And the Ali Riss one, I mean, they just goes on and on. And so, if anything, you should feel really happy that you have a great blooper reel. And I think that puts the players at ease. Like, when you mess up, they're like, oh, well, if I mess up, who cares, right? Exactly. I don't care if they mess up. If anyone, players listening, you can mess up all you want. <laughs> It's not about and you. No, it's fine. All right, I think we're I think we're out of time. I think you have to go. Yeah, but the, thank you for having me so much. I've been wanting to be on this podcast for a long time, just like I wanted to be on the Daily Mix. Uh, so thank you. And if you ever need me to come back, like I'm here. Yeah, yeah. We might we might need to uh, do a internship with you where we just watch you and learn <laughs> something. Maybe a summer internship somewhere. Just watch and learn. Thank you for being on the Tennis.com podcast. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much, Steve. It was awesome to see you again. And I totally like follow your Twitter and your Instagram. You're doing awesome stuff. So I'm keep stalking you and keep doing you. Keep inspiring people. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 